thinking about just Wendell as they try to figure out what's going on with Chris. And also, um, I talked to Jeff Nestor this week, and they all headed to the beach finally and took herbs with them. And the doctor had said, hey, you know, let him, let him live if he can. So, you know, just, just remember all of them. Uh, we are in Luke chapter 11 this morning. I just want to read two verses. It's familiar to most of us because it has to do with uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to ask you to stand up when you find it as I read these first two verses in God's honor. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you in everything. Thank you that your followers saw that they needed to learn directly from you. Still true today, Lord. Help us as we continue to worship you in this time set aside. We call this a sanctuary, a a place that's set apart from all that usually happens so that hopefully we can come as one and say, Jesus, we need you. Speak to us. As we offer ourselves to you, may you be pleased. And Lord, just continue to speak um, because, Father, we're hungry, we're thirsty, and we're needy. We need you. Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. A.W. Tozer once said, When you think about God, when He comes to your mind, what you think about is the most important thing about you. How do people view God? When they think of God, what comes to their mind? We see here that the disciples of Jesus were watching him pray. And they don't come to him and say, uh, Lord, how do we pray? Or what is prayer? Because they were Jews and, hey, they prayed in the morning, they prayed at lunch, they prayed at night, they prayed during different events, Jewish festivals and such. And so they were familiar with this idea of prayer. But it was more than just, what's prayer? It was, we want to be able to speak to God like you do. We want to have that kind of connection with the living God like you do. We we know that John the Baptist, he, he taught his followers how to pray and we've been watching you and and lord we want to taste what you have what you have experienced you know it's funny we often call this section of prayer it's also in matthew 6 the lord's prayer but in reality it's the disciples prayer because he is giving us a template or a guideline about prayer he is giving us some clear advice not specific words of memorize this and say it word for word but rather this is the kind of stuff that prayer is to be 
made up of, to be focused upon. Now, this is from John 17, <laughs> which is the Lord's Prayer, His specific prayer. And I'm going to read just a couple of verses. This is from 20 to 23. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us if we have believed in Jesus Christ. If we have trusted in him. That's us, guys. So what does he say? Um, that all of them may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I am in you. He says, Heavenly Father, I want them to experience that connection that we have with one another. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So that when those on the outside look at them, they may see you, Father. This is what Jesus is praying. I have given them the glory that you gave me. Think about that, guys. The glory of Christ. That the Father gave to the Son. He said, that has been given to you. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and you have loved them. Even as you have loved me. Now, I, I want to look four areas here that speak of God as our Father. Because what Jesus wanted us to know, when He thought of God, He thought of God as His Father. Jesus wants us to know that's who God is. He is our Heavenly Father. And, and we want to look at a little bit deeper at what that means. C.S. Lewis had said, little boy was asked, what is God like? And here was his response. God was um, the person who's always snooping around to see if anyone is enjoying himself and trying to stop it. Unfortunately, I'm afraid there are a lot of people when they think God, that's what comes to their mind. Jesus said, that is not God. He is your father. He is your Abba, your Daddy, and, and that's that's what we're gonna we're gonna look at this morning. Jesus said he he is this intimate one. He wants you to be able to climb up on his lap. He wants you to to when you you know skin your knee to to come and to find comfort. He is daddy to us. That 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 is what Jesus is seeking to communicate. You, you see, in the ancient world, when this was written, you know, we know the Lord's Prayer, many of us, the disciples' prayer. We know those words, our Father in heaven, holy is your name, hallowed be your name. We know that, but, but this was new stuff back in that day. When they thought of the Greek gods, there was a bunch of gods, and they fought with one another, and they squabbled, and people could not come directly to those gods because... Quite frankly, they were difficult to deal with. And then the Jews had a perception of God as, as being so holy that they couldn't even speak his name. As a matter of fact, when, when they 
They wouldn't write down his name because it was too holy to do such a thing. And when they mentioned his name, they would wash their hands as a sign of their unholiness, the holiness of God. It was interesting. I looked in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And this is a section of scripture where Moses goes to get the Ten Commandments. And, and God spoke to me about something. Sometimes we say, well, the God of the Old Testament, he's this kind of mean God. You know, he's a God, and, and to look at God is to be zapped. You know, you can't look at God and live. There was that kind of, of fear of God's up here, and we're down here, and, and we're not to communicate with a living God. And we think of Moses, and, and he was the guy who walked close with God, but the other people, no way. But I want to read just a couple of verses here to you that, that struck me. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 5, starting at verse 1, the, the first six verses. He says, Moses some summoned all Israel and said, Hear Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. Now, I want to just stop there a moment. Do you realize that when we read the Bible, he may be speaking of those before us who have lived and are no longer with us, but he's also speaking to us who are here. Who are alive. You see, God has not only spoken, He still speaks. And we are here because we want to hear from Him. Um, he goes on, He says, The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. So here, here they are. There's this mountain that's on fire, God speaking, and they're thinking, That does not look too safe to get close to, right? Uh, it says, At that time, I stood between the Lord and you to declare to you the word of the Lord because you were afraid of the fire and did not go up the mountain. You guys ever notice that? You see, we have this picture that Moses is the guy that's holy. God wanted to speak to Moses because, quite frankly, he had it together and they didn't. And so Moses was to go up and speak directly with God and come back and talk to the people. He was the go-between. But notice this invitation. It is not to Moses alone. It was to all the people. He wanted all the people to be able to go up to that holy place, to that mountain, to that place that was on fire, that place that was certainly not safe. But notice what they said in verse 5 here. You were afraid of the fire. And it's still true today. People, I am afraid of the fire. I, I am afraid of the judgment that I deserve. I don't want to go to church or I don't, I don't want to talk about God because what does that mean? What awaits me? There is a fire. But think about this. Moses was safe as he went up the mountain and as good as Moses was, he was not perfect. He was not without sin. He deserved to be burned up too. But he wasn't burned up. Why? Because God wanted to be with Moses. But he wanted to be with all the people. 
He wants to be with us today. He doesn't... Look, guys, we all deserve to be burned up. But God has made a way for us to spend time with Him. Drop down to verse um, 23. When you heard the voice out of the darkness while the mountain was ablaze with fire... All the leaders of your tribes and your elders came to me, to Moses, and you said, The Lord our God, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his majesty, and we have heard his voice from the fire. Today we have seen that a person can live even if God speaks with them. Listen, if you humble your heart and you come to God, his desire is not to bring judgment upon you. That is not our God. He is our Father. He longs for us to be in fellowship with Him. He longs for there to be a relationship with Him. And they went on. Um, they said, but now, why should we die? This great fire will consume us. We'll die if we hear the voice of the Lord, our God, any longer. <laughs> They're aware of their sin. For what mortal has ever heard the voice of the living God speaking out of fire as we haven't survived? Go near and listen to all that the Lord our God says and tell us whatever the Lord our God tells you. We will listen and obey. I wrote this from that. God's holy. We're not. He's perfect. We're not. He judges. We deserve judgment. Yet he invited all to see. He invited us all to climb the mountain. They were afraid of the fire. People are still afraid. We have good reason to be, but God has invited us to meet him. He protected Moses as he walked up the fiery mountain. God protected Moses while he was on the mountain. He gave Moses something holy to carry down the mountain. The people did not understand God wanted to relate to them. They still don't. You know, it's interesting Jesus, he did something no other rabbi had ever done, no other Jewish teacher. He spoke of God as being my father. My father. This is from John 5. Jesus said, my father has been working until now and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also that God was his father, making himself equal. Jesus brought a message that turned that whole society upside down because God was no longer distant. He said he wants to be your daddy. He, he wants to have a close relationship with you, a close walk with you. Matter of fact, in the Gospels, 160 times, God is spoken of as Father. 100 times in the book of John, there's only one time in the Gospels where Jesus does not call God Father. You know where it is? On the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was the weight of all the sin, our sin. He was separated for a moment, remember. But he came right back and he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. 
quoting from Psalm 22, that prophecy, and declaring, I am the one that was sent for this job, for this moment, to complete this task. In Galatians 4, 6, we're told, Because you are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. When Jesus was resurrected from the tomb, he said this to Mary Magdalene at the resurrection. Go tell my disciples, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Listen to these words from J.I. Packer uh, in his book, Knowing God. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his Father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father, he writes, is the Christian name. Secondly, is the Father's rule. The Father, uh, he, he's to be the one, he's the one who brings the discipline. You know, he, he's meant to be the one who lays out the rules. But they are not to harm the child, but to protect the child. In Ephesians 5, it starts out by saying, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Yes, our Father has set some rules out there, but... We think he's trying to squash out the fun like the little boy, but really he's trying to keep us from getting hurt because he knows that when we step outside of his safe fence, it's not safe. And so God has set those rules. When it says, hallowed be your name or holy be your name, it says, yes, God God is one that we are to fear. He is one that we are to respect. And as it says in the Ten Commandments, honor your father and your mother. And, and, and we are to honor our heavenly father. We, we, are, to, we are to follow those commands. And, and, and Jesus said in John 14, 21, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And I will love him and show myself to him. Um, there is this connection to to following God and, and that relationship growing deep as, as we listen to the commands of our Heavenly Father and, and want to follow Him, want to follow Him. The third attribute is His reach. What does this tell us uh, in our text? Um, if you notice this prayer, I, I want you to notice how it's not just singular. He, it, it could read like this. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give me each day my daily bread. Forgive my sins. Um, for I also need to forgive everyone who sins against me. And lead me not into temptation. He doesn't say that, does he? It's plural. Give us each day. Forgive us our sins. As they, they sin against us, lead us not into temptation. Why? Because God wants us not to think only about self. But when we see him, we see family. We see not only our father, but we see we are part of other children in the family. 
he opens our eyes to the importance of that as well. Psalm 68, 7 says, God sets the solitary in the family. You see, God doesn't just save me so that I can, you know, take a break till I get to heaven. He saves me so I can join a part of a family and get the message out there that there's family for the hurting and for the lonely and for those who feel like nobody cares. There's family and there's forgiveness. And the Father brings that 87 times in the New Testament. The phrase one another or each other is used. Here's just a few of these. Um, John 13, Jesus said, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another, so all will know you're my disciples. Ephesians 5.21, got this great passage of scripture that talks about the roles of the family. And he comes down to verse 21, and he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In other words, don't get so hung up that you got to be right. Humble yourself in front of one another. Be willing. Be willing to say, you know, I, I just need to love you and stuff it a little bit. <laughs> because we want our way, don't we? Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God's forgiven you. We're to forgive each other. That's the command. Um, in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, he says, encourage each other. And build each other up just as in fact you're doing. And I love that little thing that Paul says. He, Guys, you are already doing that. You are already encouraging each other. You're not discouraging each other. What a great testimony that is. And you're building each other up. You're not tearing each other down. You're doing it already. What, what a great testimony to the Thessalonian church. And that's how we need to be. Um, Romans 15, 7, one of my favorite verses, it says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So how do we treat each other? As Christ has treated us. Christ has accepted you. Okay? Accept others the way you've been accepted. What does this do? It brings praise to God. Some powerful stuff. Um, one more, and I could go on. There's a lot of these, right? Uh, Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive each other. Whatever grievances you have against each other. And we're called to forgive and to bear burdens. Um, in another place, I want to mention Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Uh, guys, we're called to be connected we're not called to live isolated lives, but integrated lives. As the body of Christ, following Christ is not a solitary assignment. We do this thing together. God wants that. Um, it, it's kind of like saying, can a soldier do his job without an army? Now, I know there's Rambo. I guess I'm so far out of the movie loop, I don't know who the latest Rambos are. I'm sure they're out there in the movies. But the point of the matter is uh, an effective platoon, an affecting group of, of fighting soldiers work together. Uh, or take, for an example, a football team. Football started up. I watched a little bit of a game yesterday. 
got to be a blowout pretty quick, so I cut it off. But uh, anyway, you know, it takes a whole team, right? I don't care how good a football player you are. If you're one guy and you're lining up against 11 guys, it's not going to end well for you. You cannot play every position by yourself, right? Throw the ball up in the air. I caught it, jump! Run. I got to run fast to catch my own. Yeah, come on, man, run. Or a tuba player. Maybe you're a great tuba player, and I'm not knocking tuba. Tuba's a great instrument. But it sure sounds better in an orchestra with the other instruments there to be a part of music. And so we are not meant to live the Christian life alone. Our Father. He's my Father. He's your Father if you belong to Christ. We do this thing together. And then one last one as I close out. And that's the Father's residence. Um, our Father, He's in heaven. Our Father in heaven. It's His base of operation. It is where our Father resides. Um, and basically, it's to tell us that He is all-powerful. Our God is not limited like we are. Our God does not have restrictions like we do. There's a... Psalm 115, uh, verse 3, he starts out, he says, But our God's in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Our God's in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. There is no one that can control God. There is no one that can defeat God. There is no one that can topple God. He is all-powerful. And he is your God if you belong to him in Christ Jesus. He, he goes on after that and he says a little bit about those who worship idols. He says, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. Eyes they have, but they cannot see. Have ears, but they cannot hear. Noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot handle. Feet, but they cannot walk. But remember, our God is in heaven does whatever he pleases and you think man I have a burden I don't know what to do I don't know where to find help it's not too big for your God it's not too big for the God who is in heaven who is able to respond to the biggest of all challenges we can turn to him um Isaiah chapter 6, we find Isaiah, it's a difficult time. King Hezekiah has been the king for 52 years. He's died, and, and certainly the whole nation is mourning, and there's a lot of fear. What's going to happen next? Who uh, will be the next king, and what are we going to do? Uh, man, there's just a lot of turmoil. He has this vision. It says that he sees God high and lifted up. He can't handle what it is. He's on this throne. And it, it says that the, the train fills the temple, the train of his robe. It, it is so great, this train, which, which just signifies uh, the complete rule and majesty of God, the sovereign, lasting king. And it says... In that scripture that they're angels and they're worshiping and they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full 
of his daughter. And so God was seeking to remind the troubled prophet that although this king is no longer on his throne, I am still on the throne of heaven. The whole earth is still mine. Um, Arthur W. Pink, in his commentary, talks about our father, and he says this, These two things should ever occupy our minds and engage our hearts. The first without the second tends toward unholy familiarity. The second without the first produces coldness and dread. But by combining them together, we are preserved from both evils. Our Father in heaven. This week has been a little bit crazy for us. We found out, um, I can't keep my days straight. I don't know if it was Friday or Saturday, but um, Daniel had COVID and he was throwing up and he was real sick. And then we found out the next day that Atticus's mom, Devin, had COVID and she was throwing up and was sick. So, you know, we, we had Atticus all week. Wasn't too bad. He's in school, job and all. But, uh, you know, we're trying to do runs to take Daniel some stuff. So he's, you know, so sick. He, can't get some basic things that he needed. So anyway, we at the end of the week, Cindy got this really kind text from Devin. Uh, where basically she said, I am so blessed to have uh, a mom like you and be a part of the family. Thank you for what you've done this week, taking care of my baby and, you know. And anyway course that just meant the world to us listen let me give just a little clue to anybody here who may be having a little trouble with your parents just say thank you man you i love you you've helped me out it will get you a lot of mileage it will help <laughs> yeah it, it did a lot to us uh psalm 103 verse 16 as the Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. We had some compassion on the kids. My God, we had so much more compassion than we have. His compassion. Of course, I can't help but think of the story of the prodigal son. I'm closing with this. And remember the prodigal son? He went out and he lived it up. He partied and he went through all of his inheritance. The money that was meant to last the rest of his life was gone rather quickly. He wasted it. It says he got to the point where he was eating with pigs. And, you know, for the Jews, that's about as low as low can go. And suddenly, I love it, this is verse 17, while he's eating some pig slop with a fellow swine. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called one of your hired hands. In other words, he said, I must have been out of my mind. I must be crazy to be here in such a degrading place. I need help. So what did he do? He started his speech, and he headed home. 
because it's got to be better at home, even though I'm going to take a lashing. He, he starts home, and he, he's working on his speech. I got him you know, butter up bad, so he's a little easy on me, because I know I deserve it. He's working on the speech. He's headed at home. His father sees him in the distance. Very undignified for an old man in a, in a robe, but he managed to, you know, pick up the robe so he can run, and he runs <laughs> as fast as he can. He doesn't wait for his son to get home because he's missed his son. And he runs up to his son, and before his son can go into his speech, he embraces him with tears of joy that his son has come home. Now, this is the compassion of God. And quite honestly, maybe you have viewed God as someone trying to spoil your fun or someone who is waiting to zap you and judge you. But the whole message of the Bible is that God did what he could to bring you home. And he is running your direction. He just simply wants you to be ready for the embrace. He wants you to hug back. He wants you to believe and to trust in what he's given, what he's provided. He's been looking for you. He's been waiting for you. Amen. Let's pray. God, uh, thank you for being our Father. It is easy, Lord, to uh, know we're sinners. Yeah, we get it. But, Father, to grasp the idea that you died for us that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God? That doesn't make any sense. The only answer is you love us. You don't love us because. You don't love us if. You don't love us when. You love us. I pray anyone who is listening online and maybe here today who has not thought of God as Father. That would change for them. That we would come to the Father, to the Daddy, who wants to forgive, who wants to restore, who, who wants things to change. Father, draw us to you. Yeah, we wander in. May this be a day to trust in you. Father, bring us to you at this time of response, this invitation, whatever you want to call it. It's been altar open. You're always willing to come. May we come this morning to find forgiveness, to find you restored, because our daddy has been calling us. In your name we pray.